I was struggling with this one. Isn't that good to learn new songs? All right. Praise the Lord. Oh, I just want to, I'm sorry, just forgot to announce. Uh, next Sunday night, night at 5 p.m., uh, with the Pioneers, we uh, meet for our first uh, uh, um, what is that? Practice. We're practicing pioneers. We're practicing this next Sunday at 5 p.m. So be here for that. And where's my Bible? So we're going to continue going back to our journey through the book of First Kings. And it's not what I'm looking for. All right, First Kings chapter 12. First Kings chapter 12. And tonight we're going to look at an interesting subject. And we're going to look at uh, a religion of convenience. You know, there's many religions of convenience these days. And we're going to look at religions of convenience right here in First Kings chapter 12. One thing I like about going through the Bible is that the Lord gives you as we read through His Word, He gives you the titles of the messages. Uh, you don't pick the you choose. It just is right there. So it's, uh, let's see, a religion of convenience. Let's look at verse 25. First uh, Kings chapter 12, verse 25. <clears throat> and see what the Lord says there. It says, Then uh, Jeroboam built built Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelled therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in, in, in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David? If this people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again, again unto their Lord. Look what it says, unto their Lord even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me, and go again, again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel, and made two calves of, uh, of gold, and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And he, and he, he set one in battle, and the other uh, and the other he put it in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, even unto Dan. And Rehoboam ordained a feast in the eighth month, and in the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah. And he offered upon the altar, so did he in battle, sacrificing unto the calves that he had made. And he placed in battle the priests of the high places which he had made. So he offered up on the altar which he had made into Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even into the mount which he had devised on his own heart, and ordained a feast unto the children of Israel, and he offered up on the altar and burned incense. Shall we pray heavily, Father? Lord, there's a lot of religions of convenience these days in our world. They always ban since the beginning of time. And we see right here in the in the reign of Jeroboam, Lord, that he even says to the children of Israel, and he points them, the gods that he built with his own hands. Lord, there are many religions in this world that are so wrong, but are very convenient for many people. I pray, Father, as we look at this passage, Lord, 
May we give justice to this passage. May we learn something tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So a religious of convenience uh, uh, right here. So introduction, let me put it this way. Our world is full of doers and takers, isn't it? Our world is full of doers and takers. Those who take, 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 and those who do, do, do. <laughs> we say, my father used to say, God always gives you a piece of bread to the lazy ones. <laughs> I was just saying. You're like, okay, dad. I was like, but we, he said to me, but we, we have to work all the time. So my dad was a hard worker. So even though today, even, even though today, it seems that we have made, we have, have more takers than doers. We live in a world today that we have a lot, a lot of people crying out, give me, give me, give me, give me. You know, and the other ones go, and what are you going to give all this giving? Oh, because the doers, doers, doers are giving to the, the ones who cry and give me, give me, give me. And that's the way the government is, right? Takes from you, gives to this. Takes from this, gives to this. You know, so. so but, it's, but even though there are many givers, or many doers, I mean, I'm sorry, many uh, takers, there are still many doers. And they're always going to be like this. They're always going to be those who, who have a heart to work, who like to work with their hands, who like to produce, who like to be productive. And always going to be those who say, oh, I will never do that. And they are takers. It's always going to be those type of people. So, let me ask you tonight, who are you? Are you a, a doer or a taker? You online, are you a doer or a taker? Either, either one. You know, I always, people can say, I'm not, either a doer, not even a doer or a taker. You know, I, no, no, you are either a doer or a taker. Uh, so people, you know, like to be doers or the taker. I personally love to work. You say, you're a workaholic? No, I love to be productive. I like to love to work. I cannot sit around and do anything. You know, I like to do something. I might sit around and try to do something and fall asleep. That's a different story because I'm tired. <laughs> but I like to be a doer. So, so uh, God, uh, <laughs> where am I? So there are still many doers. Good doers are self-motivated, aren't they? They look forward to working hard and improving their the internal score. They take advan advantage of their wonderful trail by setting more and more challenging goals every time they finish a project. They are so humble enough to use tools that, that, that help them reach their goals. I think people that are doers are very, um, uh, uh, what do you call that, uh, goal-oriented people. They like to do things. They, they, you know, I think all of us here likes to do projects. You know, that one thing, do another thing. They, it, it, it fulfills you, doesn't it? It fulfills you by doing something, by being productive. So King Jeroboam was a doer, not a philosopher. Okay? He was a man who first caught Solomon's attention because he was a busy, efficient, dependable, and productive guy. You see this in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verse 26 all over the verse 28. You see this, that what got, the, the, what got uh, Solomon to look at this man is that because the way he was, he was productive, he was independent, he was not a philosopher, but he was a doer, a guy that put his hands to work. So he was the ideal popular leader who knew how to fight the people's uh, battles and, and champion their cause. So ask him how to, uh, uh, ask him how his personal faith in the Lord and his answer might be a bit foggy about how is your faith in God. He had lived in Egypt, listen to this, long enough to develop a tolerance towards idolatry and as well as understanding how religion 
can use or can be used to control people. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you believe that religion can be used to control people? Absolutely. You say, well, but you are religious. <laughs> I'm not religious. I'm a Christian, a child of God. I have a relationship with God. I teach from the Word of God. Now I try to put my ideas and say, follow me because that's the way I think. No, follow me, follow me as I follow Him, the Lord. So, but religion and through the ages, and as a problem, the person is not saved or not, or not doesn't go to church as another word of God, they will think that we are religious people. They actually categorize us as religious people. But the problem is this. Through the ages and even today, you see what religion does to people. People can be manipulated by religion. People can be brainwashed by religion. And all kinds of nonsense that goes on by religion. So we have to be careful about what's religion and what's real Christianity. All right, real Christianity is not religion, it's a relationship with God, the God of the Bible, and there we follow what he says. So, and I understand the way the world, because what's, what happened in the past continues to happen in the, in the present. So, Jeroboam, uh, let me go back here a little bit. So, uh, in, in, in this skill, Jeroboam was one like Nebuchadnezzar or Herod Agrippa or even the Antichrist. And today's, uh, you know, when we say well, Nebuchadnezzar, some people believe that Nebuchadnezzar got saved. I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, maybe I don't say yes or no, but some people blame, claim that. But Nebuchadnezzar was one of that. I mean, Herod the Great, the Agrippa, again, and you see that in the, in the New Testament, the Antichrist, he gets that religion established. So, but, but uh, uh, Jeroboam made three serious mistakes. I want to deal with that tonight uh, during his 22-year reign. And let's look at his mistakes tonight. We're going to look at those mistakes. First mistake, number one, the disbelieving God's promises. Look at verse 33 of our text tonight. So he offered upon the altar, which he had made in Bethel, a 15th day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart, and ordained a feast into the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar burnt incense. So, you see right here what he does. So, success in life depends, in my opinion, on doing God's will and trusting God's promises. I believe that. People say, well, success in life is live the American dream. All right, if that's the way you want it. But I think success in life is believe and trust in God's promises. So, so, uh, um, but Jeroboam failed in both. When Ahijah gave Jeroboam God's message that guaranteed him the throne of the kingdom of Israel in First uh, uh, Kings chapter 11, the prophet made it clear that political division did not permit religious departure. So even though the kingdom, the, 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 uh, the ten tribes break apart to the, to the two tribes, the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, it means like even because of that, we're not going to walk away from the Lord. And it was clear. Just because the politically it's divided doesn't mean we're gonna, you're going to walk away from the Lord. You're going to continue serving the Lord. So God would have, have given Jeroboam and the entire kingdom, listen to this, except that he had made an everlasting covenant with David to keep one of his descendants on the throne. And God kept that. And of course, that's why Rehoboam was in the southern kingdom, which was Judah and Benjamin. So this... Uh, 
protected the uh, messianic line or messianic line uh, so that the Savior could, be, could come into the world through the promise to, to, so he could sit in the, in the throne of David. So the Lord took the ten tribes away from Rehoboam because what happened to Rehoboam? He went and got counseling from what? His good buddies, right? He got counsel from his good buddies and he caused the, the kingdom just to, the, the country just to split. He did that. So this should have been a warning to Jer Jeroboam to be faithful to the Lord and stay away from false gods. The Lord also pro promised to build J uh, Jeroboam a sure house, a continued dynasty, if he obeyed the Lord and walked in his ways. Verse 38. So what a promise, yet Jeroboam could not believe it. Here's one thing. All right, let me get this book. This book is called what? The Bible. That means what? Encyclopedia. That means is the word of the living God. Some people think the Bible is a book. All right, it's a book. It's a, it's a collection of books, right? 39 in what? Old Testament and 27 in the New. It makes a, a conjunction of what? 66 books. Good. Good. So I know I could hear you at home saying 66 books. Good. If you said 67, you're a little wrong. But anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say here is this. All right. God told Jeroboam about his promises to the prophet Ahijah. What about us? Do we get God's promise through his word, right? You say, you say why? Why Jeroboam did not obey God? Why don't we obey God? Sometimes, you know, it's easy to look at others <laughs> and not look at us. And then Jeroboam decided, I mean, he heard God's promises. He went totally contrary to what God says. What about us? God tells us the same thing in His Word, even more. And what we do? Many of us don't obey. So, what a promise, yet Jeroboam couldn't believe. So, right here what we see, the, the disbelief in God's promise. Let's look at this. Number one, we see fear. Fear. Why he didn't believe? He was full of fear. And so was he full of fear? Yes. And that's one of the reasons he didn't believe in God's promise. One of the first evidence of unbelief is fear. We get our eyes off the Lord and start looking at circumstances. And our hearts is full of with fear. Matthew 8, 26 says, And he said unto them, he are of, uh, Why are ye, of, are ye fearful, or ye of little faith? What happened to Peter when he walked on water? He's walking to Jesus, right? He's walking on water. That's an awesome thing. Can you imagine walking on water? What happened to Peter? When he turned his eyes away from the Lord and looked at the waves, his heart was full with what? Fear. And fear caused them to sink. So Jesus reminds his disciples that faith and fear can't coexist in the same heart for very long. You either full of fear or you either full of faith. Or you have a mix of two, but fear is going to overtake it. 
So Jeroboam's fear was that the southern kingdom would attack him and his own people desert him and go back to Jerusalem to worship. The law not only appointed the temple in Jerusalem as the only place of sacrifice, Deuteronomy chapter 12, but he also commanded all Jewish men to go to Jerusalem three times a year to observe the appointed feast. So Jeroboam should know better than let the people go to Jerusalem to worship. That's the way he was commanded. But this guy, he was not going to let that happen because of fear. They're going to desert me. They're not going to come back. They're going to revolt against me. Who was talking to him? Satan? His own mind? God never told him that. So if he trusted God, you trust God with the outcome. Correct? If I say I trust God, even when circumstances are not the greatest, guess what, Lord? I trust you. This doesn't look good, Lord. Let me tell you, this doesn't look good here. You know, God, Lord, but it's all good. I'll weigh on you. All right, Lord, I'll weigh on you. Isn't that outcome? Lord, the outcome is up to you. That is faith. This guy was full of fear. That's why he did not obey God. So, let it be. Security. Look at verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and, and dwelt there and went out from thence and built Penuel. So like both Solomon and Rehoboam, King Jeroboam fortified his capital, Shechem, and strengthened other, other key cities against any invaders. That was not the case in the past. Why is he doing that? Security. He's not trusting God. He said, Pastor, but you know, we have to lock our doors, lock our cars. We have to lock everything up because, yeah, okay, we have to be wise. But our situation is that we've got to trust God. You know, before the, 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 he became king, there was no problem the way those cities were. What's the problem now? No faith and no trust. Okay? So, Penuel was east of the Jordan and was famous as a place where Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord, Genesis 32. It appears that Jeroboam later moved his capital from Shechem to Tarja, uh, uh, or perhaps he had a second place there. Instead of trusting the Lord to be his shield and defend the Rehoboam, trusted his own defense and strategies. Folks, many people verbally and continually say, I trust the Lord. But looking at their lives and their actions, it is evident they don't trust the Lord, but well, the only thing they trust is themselves. They trust their own strength and abilities. They trust their own ideas. Rehoboam was one of those guys. He relied on his own strength and his own ideas. He did not trust God at all. He failed. The second mistake he made. This, oh, what I wrote here. <laughs> the substitute worship, the substitute, okay, the substitute worship for God. That's where it goes. There you go. The substitute worship for God. A woman came home in her car with automatic transmission, pushed the button, and the garage door opened automatically. Her AC had automatic, automatically started a half hour early. She took a prepared meal out of her automatic defrosting freezer, Place it in her microwave, 
with the automatic healing cycle, set the table with disposable items. Her TV automatically came on to the news, and her automatically sprinkle started in the yard. Wow, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Not really. We will, we will do anything. Listen, folks. We will do anything. Are you ready? For convenience. Isn't that true, guys in the sound room? We will do anything for convenience. Let's say Eric is painting with a brush and said, this wall is too long. And he comes to spray, and he's already spraying or rolling. Convenience, faster. Same thing. You have a little bicycle, it comes a car. I want the car. <laughs> convenience. So we know we have, we don't, we don't want to use the stove, we want to use the microwave. You know, we have these pre-programmed coffee machines, you know. I mean, everything is all convenience. So is religion today. Look what it says in verse 26. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now, sh now shall, the, shall the kingdom return to the house of David? If this people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn against, again into the, uh, unto their Lord. Look, he's concerned that the people are going to turn back to the Lord. And Lord says, even unto Jeroboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me, and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And look at what he says in verse 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. He goes, guys, he probably had a big meeting, guys. You know what? I feel for you. It's just too hard for you guys to go to Jerusalem. That's a long journey. You know, you, it's a lot of rocky roads and going all the way there. You guys are going to get thirst, time wasted. You can stay home, back, relax a little more, and I conveniently worship the Lord here. I fix this problem for you. And then people go, yes. Look what it says. And look what it says. Behold thy gods, O Israel. That's verse 28. Which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, and he sat and he sat the one in Bethel and the other in Den. And let me tell you this: Why wouldn't he hear the reaction of the people here? Nobody reacts to it. Everybody says, "Yeah, King Jeroboam, oh, we love you. This is good. What a great idea! I should have this idea before." Microwave food. We don't want food cooked. In the oven anymore, we go microwave. Isn't that where church operate today? We have a lot of microwave churches out there. And I'm not going to, you know, call churches by name, but there are a lot of microwave churches out there. I don't give you a 40-minute message or 45. I give you 15. Because, you know, it's just too much for you. Really? We got back to the old days when they used to meet from house to house. Or oh, you got to the old Baptist voices right there in Providence when, when they used to spend hours on Sunday afternoon from morning until late afternoon, say, brother, you bring a message. Brother, you bring a message. Today, we sit in the house of God for an hour and a half. Oh, I am exhausted. I'm tired. I, I don't know. I can't handle that. Really? That's what we come down today, folks. Listen, you might not believe it, but I'm criticized left and, uh, and up and, 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 and right and left and uh, however you want to put it. 
Because my messages sometimes go 40 minutes. Not from people in our church, but from people outside the church. But see, microwave messages, I make you feel good. You come back again Sunday, I'm going to give you another feel-good one. We don't have night service, just morning service. It's good for you. Microwave, that's what we have today. We see right here, religion of convenience. So the easy solution to Rehoboam's problem of holding the loyalty of his people was to establish a worship center for them in the territory of Israel. So Rehoboam had a power struggle here. He did not trust God. He did not trust his people. First of all, if he trusted God, he would trust the Lord, like I said, with the outcome. He didn't trust anybody but himself. I don't trust you. I don't trust you at all either. So I'm going to do this my way. And you see how this is going to work. But what authority did he have to deceive people about giving them a religious uh, of convenience? Let me put it this way. Where was the heart of the people? They accepted. You see that? I believe some of them rejected. Because he's always a remnant somewhere. I believe some of them said, you, oh, forget it. I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't care what you're doing. You know, but majority, you know what? Yeah, we're going with you. You have the right words right there. Microwave religion. You see, it is certain it couldn't, it couldn't build it. Uh, I'm sorry, let me go. Jerusalem was written a law that matches that what Moses received from Jehovah of set up sacrificial system that would guarantee the forgiveness of sin. It was, it was not Moses, and he certainly couldn't claim to be God. Of course he was not God. Well, we may be in danger of making religion a matter of convenience in our lives. How can that happen? How can that happen? Making religion a matter of convenience. Letter A often seeks an easy way to discharge obligations. We see this in verse 28. Upon the king took counsel. He took counsel. Obviously, other people agree with him. And he made those two, uh, those two calves of gold. And he said unto them, I read this to you before. And he goes and proclaims, Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. He literally told them, Listen, this is the God that brought the, you out of the land of Egypt. And then they agree with it. Wow, Rehoboam said, you have been going to Jerusalem long enough to worship. Why bother go there when you can worship in Dan or Bethel? Rehoboam was afraid that if the people continued to go to Jerusalem, they would once again unite with David's kingdom. So he had two, like I said, two golden calves made and, uh, made and placed one in each city. He said... You can save time, money, and get all the satisfactions you desire by worshiping closer to home. So the cows were not set up to be worshipped as idols. They were intended to be symbols of Jehovah. Oh, really? And there's some churches that have the same thing. They have symbols of God on which people bow down and cross, their, cross themselves. And they begin to believe that those statues are God. Then God said, do not bow down in front of graven images. We worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, the Bible says. So with the electronic church, people are doing the same thing today. 
Satan wants to keep you out of church so that he can have more control over your life. Because some people think that Satan is a, this, this little, little guy you know, and that shows up on TV with a little fork and a little horns and, and a little tail and we can snap him. You know, that's not the way it is. He's a real being and has more power than we have. And he's been around longer than we have. And he knows how to scheme us and get us. So today is stay home. Don't come to church. I can watch. Just watch it online. You'll be fine. No, don't get If you're online and if you're an ill person and you have problems that you can't get to church, I understand where you are and praise the Lord you're watching. But those who excuse themselves purposely not to go because they're more comfortable sitting on the sofa with their feet up and enjoying taking a nap as the message goes on, you know? <laughs> those are the ones that, you know, that's a religion of convenience. I listen to you for five minutes. I take a nap. I wake up ten minutes later. Are you still going on? Let me close my eyes a little bit more. Let me wiggle my toes a little here. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Amen to that. So, Satan wants to keep you out of church so, you, so that you can have more control over your life. It is much easier to turn a knob of the TV than to, than to go to church. It is also an impersonal way to worship. You don't have to get involved. You don't have to make a commitment. Satan will convince you that you don't need to go to church to worship. So churches are getting more and more empty because people are finding convenience, a way to worship on their own homes. And what they're doing, they're disobeying what God says. Do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. You see, we have religion of convenience today. Folks, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. Some folks go to church on Easter and Christmas. Religion of convenience. Some churches, some people go to church on weddings. Maybe. Uh, maybe a baptism. Some folks go to church whenever they feel guilty. They go to church. Some folks go to church when life hurts. And when everything is good, they disappear again. Because God is already good. So it's a religion of convenience. And that's what they do. So, so what we do today, we live in a world of convenience, and that convenience comes to the inside the church, or many churches, and many churches actually what they do, they're going with this thing. So they, you know, some churches out there, that's what they do. They call people's homes. They make surveys. What would you like in a church? And people, you know, who knows without these people are. They have, some people mean, they don't even care about God at all, whoever they are. They call people. You think I'm kidding. Actually, this is true. They, were, they call people and do surveys. What do you like in the church? What do you think you like? What color carpet? What kind of seats you like in the church? You like like those the seats like at movie theaters? You can have your cup in there or your glass in there. What would you like in the church? You think I'm kidding. This is true, okay? And they get all these surveys, you know what? And some of these churches adopt themselves to that, and they call people in. Come see what we have. Come see what we have to offer you. Come see what we have for your kids. You know what we have? A religion of convenience. We forget to go that, that we go into the house of God to worship God. 
with other believers. And Jesus said, uh, my father's house had to be a house of prayer, not a house of merchandise. But we have microwave churches today. Let it be, see what happened here with him on this, um, my second point, the substitute worship for God. Let A, we see, often seeks an easy way to discharge obligations. And number two, we see it seeks his own gods. Seeks his own gods. Seeks his own gods, develops his own ritual, and chooses his own people. Look what it says in verse 28. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. Behold, thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel, and the other he put it in Dan. And he made in a house of high places and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. So Jeroboam claimed that the golden calves represented that which was formed in the wilderness by Aaron. And it was the golden calf, he said, that brought them out of the wilderness. He also made priests out of the people who were not of Levi, not God's appointed people. The words lowest of the people literally means from the extremest lowest of. Interesting. Let me give you a survey. In a survey for a hundred of a hundred Jehovah Witness, uh, of a of hundred Jehovah Witness, 62 said that they were adults when they converted, and 42 of that 62 said they were Baptists before their conversion to that cult. Notice that Jer- Jeroboam took counsel with those he knew would support his views and action. He did not seek the advice of God. People who do not get involved in the activities of the church will soon grow cold in their Christian life. And then becomes easy for someone to lead them astray with false teachings. And folks, nobody can tell me this is not wrong or this, that I'm incorrect because I have seen it with my own eyes. Our people left Bible-believing churches to put themselves in places that you don't want your worst enemy to go. Because how deceived they are. What the false teacher says may sound good, but the carnal Christian cannot discern the error because it's not biblically sounded in the word. Folks, we live in a day of religion of convenience for many people. The loyalty to the local church is not as strong as it was in the past. People... Uh, hop, from, uh, uh, hop from church to church with no problem whatsoever. There's no loyalty. And we say the reason you should leave your local church because, folks, it is the same God. If you go to one Bible-believing church, one Bible-believing church, another Bible-believing church, it's the same Jesus. And the reason we should leave a church is because of false doctrine or, or we move away to a longer distance. But everything else can be solved. Isn't it true? Everything else can be solved. It's nothing that cannot be solved by the word of God. You see, but here what we have today is this. Is people want entertaining, entertain, uh, people want entertainment and convenience way of worship. It's not about what God says anymore, but about what is convenient for them. 
That is not about worshiping the Lord the way it describes in the Word of God. We live in a day and age on which convenience is in the menu of the day. So, we have people fighting over colors of carpets and, and chairs. And, and we have, a, and once I don't like this, and I'm like, what about worshiping the Lord for who He is? Don't you know that back then music was irrelevant? We make music more relevant than a message these days in some churches. So we give a microwave message and we give a ton of entertainment with music. We just have to say, is God pleased with all this? Is God pleased with all this? Let us see, we see, seeks a morality of its own. Look at verse 30. And these things became a sin for the people when to worship before the one, even unto them. This became a sin to uh, Jeroboam and his people because he violated fundamental, the fundamental law of the Old Testament religion. God not only prohibited any idol worship, but he also established a place of worship as well. Notice that Jer- Jeroboam was also changed the mouth of the, the month, I'm sorry, of the feast from that from what God had established. A lowered, lowered view of God results in diminishing moral tone. The gods which displace uh, Jeroboam allow all kinds of easy and loose, loose living. When people forsake Jehovah and follow the gods of their own making, morality suffers. Folks, I'm not going to ex- expand on this a lot, but look and morality in our country. Amongst Christians, you look at it, and you say, what happened? What happened? Is that God's fault? Did God change His word? No, God's still the same today, yes, yesterday, today, and forever. God's still the same. Who changed? People are changing. Folks, we have a problem. When we look at the world and try to imitate the world, we're always going to have a problem inside God's house. Always going to have a problem inside God's house. Folks, it is not hard to find these days someone who says, my God is a loving God who does not judge anyone. My God will never do this or do that. Where do these people get these statements from? Or these types of teaching from. Is obviously that is not from the Bible. Consider the consequences of Israel worshiping the golden calf in the wilderness. When we forsake the, ch- forsake the church and when we do not attend because it is inconvenient for us to come. We give room for Satan to do his work. Remember, he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he always seeks the weak and the ones that are not aware. Always does that. If you don't believe that, go watch some safari thing on whatever, history channel or those channels, and you will watch what the, those animals do. When we forsake the church, soon Satan has us convinced that we don't need the church and that we, uh, we, the ju- we, are, we are the judge of our own actions. He tells, us to, he tells us the lie that we, that we answer only to ourselves. No, folks. No, listen, folks. No, 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 no. 
It don't matter if you're saved, if you're not saved, you will meet your maker one day and you will give an account for your life that you live on earth. Number three, the conception of the religion of convenience. The passage before us describes the acts on which so often described the scripture is the sins of Jeroboam. It is referred to more than 20 times in the word of God. Among the 20 times God relates to this, that's like the sin of Jeroboam. We see this in 1 Kings 15, 30. It says, because of the sins of Jeroboam, which he sinned and which he made Israel to sin. 1 Kings 15, 34 states uh, again the same thing, walk in the way of Jeroboam. And he goes to uh, 1 Kings 16, 31. And we keep going. There's many verses in the Bible that God reminds us of the sin of Jeroboam. So, folks, let me put it this. If God reminds us this way, let me put it this way. Isn't that dangerous for us to become or become a, a religion of convenience or a microwave church? I like the thing microwave church because it clicks in our minds. Let's go to number four. I'm running out of time again. <laughs> Number four, characteristics of the religion of convenience. What characterizes a religion of convenience? Letter A, a way of comfort. A way of comfort. Does not, does not want uh, to put people out. It was a, re uh, a religious of ease. It will not require much of you. It will not cost you anything. David on one occasion said, I will not offer burnt, uh, uh, burnt offerings without a cost. So people are are prone to relax and when someone offers uh, uh, to legitimize in the name of religion, many people find that a deal irresistible. So the ancient version of this is, it is too much, if it's too much for you in the, in the words, but it will increase attendance. Let me put it so, a religion of convenience. So, so these microwave churches are going out there selling themselves making phone calls, trying to ask people what they like in the church so it makes people at ease when they come in. They say, oh, isn't this good? I'm going to tell you one thing that I saw about one church. I should have got that name of that church, but it was interesting. So they were having baptisms. Maybe if you search YouTube, you may find the church. And they had a big swimming pool and a water slide. I am not kidding you. I saw my own eyes. I said, that's interesting. What are they doing there? And I had the person on the top, and they were praying up there, and they're, they're doing all kinds of things, and this person gets on the water slide and goes down and splash, and people are screaming. I was like, wow. I thought baptism is I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Be buried in, in, in Christ then and be raised in the newness of life and you put the person under the water. This one is going on the water slide. <laughs> Where they got that from? Folks, I mean, you search it out, you might find it. I saw my own eyes. I was like, why? Obviously, somebody thought about it. Somebody talked about it and said, yeah, we can do that. Maybe they have one of those moving stages. When baptism, here comes a moving stage. And they put the baptism over there with the water slide. And the people, people were like, oh, you know, it's amazing. So we have these types of churches because of what happens here. So we have a way of comfort. People feel comfortable about, number two, uh, let it be number two, a way of compromise. 
mimic the true religion had an appearance of being right. Folks, I came from a religion that I thought they were right until I found out they were wrong. And praise the Lord that I found out they were wrong. And today I still say they are wrong. But they have like half-truths. They give you something to feel good. Number one, compromise as to where. Look, he compromised here. They're supposed to go to, to Israel. He said, oh, go to Dan or Bethel. Dan in the north, Bethel in the south. Number two, comp compromise as to the when. We see verse 12, and Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eight months. So Jeroboam copied the feast of boots or tabernacles, and not the day of the tournament. He chose these feasts day to copy because it was the day of celebrate the harvest. The feast of tabernacle was to be held in the seventh month, in the fifteenth day. This was the feast that was most joyous and did not involve the uh, the the fa uh, feasting Sol uh, Solomon reflection that the other feasts demand. So this feast was more fun than the others. You know what? You give them fun, you steal the heart of the people. Don't you know that? You give them entertainment and you steal the heart of the people. That's what people want. That's why, I'm not saying every church out there, but many, many churches out there, they give the people what they want and they steal. As a result, they steal the heart of the people because that's what people want. Number three, compromise as to whom? Look at verse 31. And made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not of the sons of Levi. He kept the priesthood, but one vital change. They were not chosen sons of Levi. They were not regarded for purity and inward holiness, like unto behave of imitation. Far too many have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof, the Bible says. Number four, they compromise as to what? Verse 12, and he offered upon the altar. So did he in Bethel sacrifice unto the calves that he made, and he placed in Bethel the priests of the high place which he made. It is set image there. You see, what he's doing right here, he's giving the people what the people want so he can get what he wants. Number four, the consequences of a religion of convenience. So absolute obedience to God's will and word, whatever peril may seem to attend it. Let me put it this way. How many churches fell in the trap of convenience in microwave church with one purpose? We want to grow, we want to be big. So they do what they can, what they want, or what they think is going to attract people to fill up their places. Let me put it this way. Is that God honoring? Is that God pleasing? I put it this way. It's just me. We have a small church. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not discouraged about it. If God wants to fill it up, God will fill it up. It's up to Him. You know one thing I know, and I leave out of here every time, the Word of God is preached. The Word of God is teached and proclaimed. No doubt about it. It's teach, preach, and proclaim here. We worship the Lord the way the Bible says. You know what? It's up to the Lord to fill up His house or not. We, do we reach? Yes, we do. Every single week, we're reaching people. Well, let me tell you. God is building His church. He just wants us to be faithful. 
I refuse to be a microwave preacher in a microwave church in order to put people in. I will never do that. So the consequences of uh, church, uh, of uh, a religion of convenience, it becomes like the world marches in. And I believe that God marches out. I'll conclude with this. The religion of convenience uh, was the destruction of Jeroboam's family. If your devotion to God is a matter of convenience or conviction, or conviction, your children will know they are full aware of what we, what it means the most, what mean the most for you and me, of course. They are aware of what you will change, what will change your plans. God is aware; they're aware; they know what we're doing, but also those who watch us. What's going to be? And I conclude with this: Are we going to be a religion of convenience, a microwave church? Are we going to stick with the Word of God? Yes, some days we preach long, some days we preach less. We preach what the Lord lays in our hearts. That's the way it should be. I don't think it should be a time for a message to be preached. God gives the preacher the message, and the preacher got to deliver the message to his people. You know, it might be something in the end of the message that somebody needed to hear. It might be something in the beginning or in the middle. But you know what? We should not be cut by time and make a church microwaved because, oh, people got to do this, people got to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for tonight. Lord, help us not to be ever a religion of convenience or a microwave type of church. Help us, Lord.